Welcome to this latest episode in the Alan and Overy podcast series, Beyond the Hype, the Future of Digital Assets. I'm Louise Browsford, a professional support lawyer at Alan and Overy in London, and I'm going to be speaking with Nick Bradbury and Damon Carolan, both partners in the financial regulatory practice here, and Tom Roberts, who is a partner in the International Capital Markets team. In this episode, we'll be looking at the latest UK developments for institutional and wholesale digital assets. Nick, I'm going to start with you, if I may. What are the key trends you're currently seeing in this space? At a very high level, we're seeing jurisdictions developing their own regimes. And this means firms are comparing and assessing these regimes and trying to work out where's best for their business. Crypto firms tend to be quite portable, so it's often easier in relative terms for such firms to move their business to find a favorable regulatory environment. Then conversely, we're also seeing increasing calls for international law harmonization because divergent regimes which don't cater for cross-border business might undermine many of the benefits of using DLT in the first place. For example, the Unitoad Digital Assets Working Group published its principles on digital assets and private law last month. This is an ambitious piece of work that covers a, a wide range of topics, including how to resolve conflicts of law questions. Okay, thanks, Nick. And what are you seeing on the UK wholesale side? Broadly, our sense of the market is that traditional financial institutions are still trying to work out whether and to what extent they want to get into the digital asset space. There has, of course, been some reputational damage during the so-called crypto winter, and we're also seeing emerging regulatory breaks on the speed of expansion, such as the latest work being carried out in Basel on capital requirements, uh, which could increase the balance sheet costs for some players entering this market. In terms of the UK legal framework, the Treasury consulted on proposals earlier this year on the future regime for crypto assets. On the wholesale and institutional side, I'd say that a really significant proposal is that the territorial scope of the new regime will potentially cover firms with UK clients who might usually expect to fall out of scope, for example, certain overseas firms. This is quite a departure from the UK's usual position. Generally, in the past, the UK has been quite liberal when it comes to wholesale markets. So this approach to territorial scope is novel, and it'll be interesting to see where it lands. I see. And in practice, what are you seeing as the fundamental issues with the UK legal framework as is? Well, that's a big question, but it's worth flagging a couple of highlights from recent UK publications. The UK Law Commission has been working on how digital assets fit with English property law, and is proposing a new category of personal property called data objects. This would be a pretty radical change and would be a fundamental building block for law and regulation in this space. Also, as I just mentioned, we've got the Treasury proposals on the future regime for crypto. And a good example of the type of challenge covered by the proposals is how we treat custody services in this context. With digital assets, the activities a custodian does can, in some cases, be quite different from what we would think of as traditional custodian activities. For example, digital asset custodians could be more like digital wallet providers storing public and private keys that authorise transactions on the DLT. I'm expecting a range of guidance will be needed on the scope of what constitutes regulated custody services for crypto assets. Thanks very much, Nick. And so, Damien, we've heard from Nick that there's work in progress around the development of the UK regime. What would you add? Uh, thank you, Liz. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a fair statement to say that English law hasn't necessarily been the first past the post uh, in terms of developing a clear set of uh, regulation rules for digital assets. Um, and here I'm focusing particularly on digital securities, of course. Um, I, I mean, generally as English lawyers, we love our common law system. Of course, it's great. It's very flexible. But one benefit of civil law systems, by contrast, is that when you want to develop new concepts, it's much easier and much quicker. 
Um, but we do know that English law can accommodate digital assets. A lot of work has been done in this area, included by the Law Commission, as Nick mentioned, and the UKJT. It's just that there are certain aspects of the legal and regulatory framework that weren't really created, designed or implemented with this type of technology in mind. I see. So what's a good example of a particular bit of the framework that needs to be looked at then? Well, one big impediment to the growth of the market in digital security certainly is the fact that existing market infrastructure for securities relies on central securities depositories or CSDs, um, as indeed do the regulatory regimes looking to embed related market protections. And of course, one key benefit of DLT is that it doesn't need old-fashioned centralized infrastructure, uh, and this is in contrast to the traditional CSD model for the holding of securities. Um, Now, having CSDs at the heart of legally robust settlement systems is just part of the furniture for the UK, um, and the legislative framework currently reflects this expectation, um, certainly as to digital securities, for which certainly on-venue secondary trading is planned, and of course that's critical to developing liquidity in these markets, in that case there must always be a CSD in, in current terms. So in practice, as things stand, it can be really difficult to generate the deep liquidity pools you need without a CSD. And of course, in, in an innovative market, that arguably creates a barrier to innovation and disruption. Understood. And so what's happening on this? Well, the main thing at the moment in the UK, really, on this front is is the proposal for a financial markets infrastructure sandbox, or the FMI sandbox, as it's referred to in the Financial Services and Markets Bill that's just passing through Parliament now. Um, now, this has been designed specifically to test and adopt new technologies and practices, such as distributed ledger technology. So it's specifically on point here. Um, And of course, we've seen the FCA use sandboxes before in the UK where it wants to encourage innovation. And the idea here again is that um, when this this regime comes into play, various current markets legislation may be temporarily modified, disapplied or recalibrated within certain controls and limits uh, and then tried out by sandbox participants as part of these new innovative uh, arrangements. And amongst other things, we do expect that this FMI sandbox will indeed be modifying the UK CSDR which addresses those issues around secondary market on venue trading, which I flagged. This is clearly critical. Um, but there's also a range of other legislation that could be in scope for calibration in this context, MIFID, MAR, etc. Now, currently, the Treasury is working on developing the FMI sandbox parameters with the FCA and the Bank of England. Um, it's a live topic uh, and is currently being discussed in trade bodies. There is clearly an appetite to get this up and running really quite quickly. And so, you know, the time is to engage now if you want to engage in the lobbying around that It is clear, I think, that the initial scope uh, includes digital securities, as I've mentioned, though it doesn't seem likely that other crypto assets and derivatives will be in scope of the first wave, at least, but we wait to see. And it will also be interesting to see how it differs from the approach taken by the EU DLT pilot regime, which, of course, has similar aims in an EU context, uh, although noting that the UK regime currently, at least, has more scope for flexibility, but we'll wait and see as that develops. This sounds promising. Turning to you, Tom, are you also seeing these kinds of trends on the derivative side? Overall, yes, is part of the same picture. The good news is that if you look narrowly at crypto derivatives as a product, things start simple because the regulatory treatment is clear and is generally harmonized, at least across Europe. But once you look more broadly, the same themes emerge, in particular, the themes around the political and regulatory attitude to crypto, which of course goes to whether someone wants to be in the space at all. Um, but also for those smaller crypto firms, it, it informs their decisions about where they might locate and where they might license. We also see the same theme around the treatment of digital assets across different legal systems, you know, particularly when you think about collateral arrangements related to derivatives. And again, you know, this theme around the increasing sophistication of the market participants in the crypto derivative space. 
When we say crypto derivative space, what are we talking about? In terms of market structure, I see it as three segments. So OTC markets, and this is both flow and some of the more complex structured trades. Unlike other asset classes, this is an area that isn't dominated by the traditional market making dealers. So it, you know, instead of those, we see you know crypto specific firms, the Cumberlands, the Wintermutes, the B2C2s, um, to take some examples. Then after that, we have centralized exchanges. So CME being an example of that on the traditional end, and then the likes of Coinbase, Binance, Kraken um, as crypto specific exchanges. And then finally, decentralized finance protocols, so fully on-chain derivatives. In terms of products, the market's dominated by futures and options, referencing Bitcoin and Ether, and then a long tail of other cryptocurrencies. Outside of OTC markets, the dominant product is perpetual futures, typically highly leveraged. Thanks, Tom. All clear. And so in terms of market outlook, what are you seeing across these segments? To keep it brief, OTC, uh, there's some, definitely some questions around liquidity. So we've seen some of the prominent market makers like Jump and Jane Street uh, sort of publicly pull back from the market. Others like Alameda obviously collapsed. Um, but overall, the institutional interest is still there. And in my view, we will see growth. I also expect to see product innovation You know, looking forward. One good example of that is the fully on-chain option executed by Galaxy recently. Then looking at exchanges, the theme to my mind is a greater focus on institutional business. In practice, what this means is enterprise-grade tech, greater transparency, and a focus on regulatory compliance, governance, and the basis on which assets are being held. I also expect to see growth in exchange-traded options. And then DeFi, where to start really? But I think the rapid innovation will continue, but with a greater focus on product market fits. And I also think we'll see more crossover between DeFi and the centralized world, with it being more about utility rather than ideology, at least for some. And with that, I think an increasing realization of, of people operating in the DeFi space that code is not law and actually law is law and regulation does matter. And there, I think there's this big question around how to regulate DeFi or if to regulate DeFi, perhaps. And there's a number of different proposals starting to emerge across jurisdictions. And definitely how Mika 2.0 tackles this is something that people are going to watch very closely. There's a lot to unpack in DeFi, but it's probably a discussion for another day. Thank you very much. What else are you seeing in practice? Just to pick out a few welcome developments. So... ISDA has now published their digital assets definitions and intends to address crypto in the you know, rollout of netting and collateral opinion updates. So that's going to build a, a foundation, I think, for standardization and growth. Um, the next stage for ISDA is going to be looking at digital assets as a collateral type. There's also some planned updates to the EU and UK derivatives reporting regime to introduce the kind of long-awaited fields for crypto as an underlying asset. And we're also starting to see more work being done around how derivatives regulation applies to exchanges, which is going to be critical for institutional clients. Some key topics, they remain a wait and see. For example, the application of the financial collateral regime to crypto assets and the possibility of some forms of digital asset, I guess most obviously stable coins, being permitted as an eligible collateral under global margin rules. Thanks so much, Tom. It does sound like everyone is interested in this quest for clarity and certainty. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. 
But just to flag that for more information and discussion, you can head over to aoseminars.com for the webinar Nick, Damon and Tom gave a couple of weeks ago, which goes into more detail on some of what we've been talking about today. Thank you very much for joining us and keep an ear out for more Beyond the Hype podcasts on the future of digital assets coming soon.